I want to tell you that I am so excited today to have a couple of longtime friends here with us in the studio. I mean, this goes way, way back. And I'm speaking of Ralph and Danielle Drollinger. Uh, Ralph will be remembered, uh, and especially to his basketball fans, um, for his um, play at the University of California, Los Angeles. That's known as UCLA, and I don't like to utter those words if I don't have to. <laughs> but in this case, it's necessary and we're great rivals at USC and uh, this man has caused me a lot of grief because he was a very very effective center uh, in his last year at UCLA he's a big dude seven feet one inch his uh, team at UCLA uh, went on to win the NCAA national championship uh, under legendary coach John Wooden, who was, of course, the winningest coach, I think, in collegiate history. And Danielle is also distinguished in her own right. Uh, she's been a defender of conservative causes at the uh, California State Legislature uh, for many years, and that's when I came to know her. Uh, because she was very effective in that responsibility. Both these folks are absolutely committed to the cause of Christ, and it's such a pleasure to have them here to talk about um, their ministry in Washington, D.C., which I find very, very exciting. Um, Ralph and Danielle are co-founders of Capital Ministries. Uh, that goes back to 1996, and they've been in... Uh, Congress and in Washington, D.C. for nine years, I believe, and uh, they are doing so much impressive work in the nation's capital today, and I'm anxious to tell you about it. Ralph, uh, you and I have another history together, uh, kind of a unexpected moment uh, that occurred. Uh, I think it was 1988 when I had invited Pete Maravich, the great uh, basketball player from LSU and then the NBA. He was coming out to do a radio program uh, with us, uh, Focus on the Family at that time. And uh, he had written a book called Heir to a Dream. It was about his father. And I asked him if he would like to come out and play uh, basketball with us. We played three times a week, and we were just a bunch of duffers. The, the night before that, I called you. I said, listen, and anybody playing on my team that's going to be able to guard this dude. And uh, You wanted to win so bad, you <laughs> called me to make me get up at four in the morning to drive down and be on your team so that we could beat Pete Maravich. Did now, you get up at four to be there? Well, I was living in Lake Arrowhead at that point, so I had to drive down. I to, didn't even know that. Yeah, that's all right. That's <laughs> All right. I forgive you. That was, was quite a morning, wasn't quite it? Quite a morning, yes, sir. And because uh, we played for about 45 minutes and everybody took a break. You and I kind of stayed on the court. I stayed talking to Pete. Um, Pete and I were talking and he dropped dead. Yeah, And just I like called that. for you guys to come help me. I started CPR and you did the chest yeah. pump. 
and uh, the, and and the CPR so, because it took like a century for the ambulance to get there. It seemed like that forever. That was a highly, highly emotional day. I've talked about it many times. Give me your yeah. perspectives on what happened that well, day. Well, it's everything and more than what you say in terms of an impact on emotion. It's not too many of us who have not been in the military to see when someone die in our presence, and that's what happened. But uh, it always rings in my heart, Dr. Dobson, the the fragility of life and the assumption we have that we're going to live another day. And, and, and so it makes me think of the cliche, only what's done for Christ will last. You know, only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will happen. And you've been exemplary in terms of your work ethic. I don't believe theologically in retirement. And once God saves us out of this world, we have a dutifulness to him to really serve him and build his kingdom. And we can't presume that tomorrow we'll be able to do that. So we have to work our our hardest today for a whole life. That poem that you just quoted was on the wall of my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up with that uh, there. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I'm thinking, too, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, uh, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I wonder if you remember what happened after the ambulance had come and they had decided that he wasn't going to make it and that he was yeah, gone. We went to the hospital together. We I think you and I. the ambulance. And we sat there a lot of hours reflecting. Uh, in fact, because he had no family there, the hospital allowed our little team to surround his body. You remember bringing us into um, yeah. that uh, examining yeah. room, and yeah. we all held hands and prayed and yeah. prayed for his family and prayed for his kids. And we had the responsibility of calling yeah. to tell them that he wasn't coming back. Yeah. I'm I'm mindful, too, of... Uh my days at UCLA, in the summers, I would climb in the Alps. I'm from a mountaineering family, and I would study at Labrie under Francis Schaeffer. And Did he was, you really? Yeah, he was just being published, started yeah. to be published then. And one of his great sermons that reminds me of what we're talking about was called Ash Heap Lives. And in that, his sermon, he said that we ought to often go to the city dump to see where people without Christ spend and how their life ends up. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about being with someone who actually dies in your hands, what that does in terms of your own spiritual sobriety. I've never been the same since then. It creates a sobriety of the temporalness of life. Mm And you better work industriously for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, how else can you say thanks for the things he's done for you, things so undeserved yet he gives to prove his love to you? And you're not guaranteed one minute. That's right. And so here we have this heart of gratitude for Christ saving us that says, I want to lay up for myself treasures in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could talk to you all day about that day, but that's not what we're here for. We want to talk about your ministry. Danielle, um, I met you when you were working in the state legislature uh, Mm -hmm. in uh, California, 
have terrific battles going on even then over righteousness. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but you had your hands full, and Mm -hmm. quickly you stood out as somebody who would not compromise Mm -hmm. and worked as diligently as, Ralph, you've just been talking about. Uh, in uh, advancing the cause of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, You couldn't talk much about the gospel then, I guess, but uh, you sure did everything short of that. (laughs) And uh, we uh, so admired what you did that eventually you came to work for Focus on the Family. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's uh, a pleasure to have you here today because I have very warm memories Mm -hmm. of what you did during those, those years. Well, what an honor it is to be here with you, Dr. Dobson. You're one of my heroes. Mm. And way back when I was um, working for the state Senate, trying to make a difference, I wanted to make a difference, um, especially with the social issues of our culture. Focus on the family and your public policy department snagged me away and said, we want to hire you to do just this, you know, to, to work on these issues. So I did that for quite a while with you until you said, Danielle, I think there's a job in D.C. I want you to apply for. My buddy, Frank Wolf, um, Mm -hmm. he used to be in the Congress, um, had a a new subcommittee, Children, Youth, and Families, and I think you're the perfect director for that. So unbeknownst to me, I applied, he hired me, and off to D.C. I went. But he's been a friend. He's now retired from the Congress, but uh, he was there more than 30 years. Mm -hmm. And what a magnificent job he did. But uh, uh, I had forgotten that I recommended you to him. And then you were in Congress for how long? Not that long until um, a bunch of your other buddies and California called me back and said, Danielle, we want you to come back and start a political action committee to actually run guys and gals that are Christians to office and see if we can make a difference that way. So I left D.C. and came back to California and did that during the Gingrich Revolution. And we we won something like 35 races. Um, We're able to get rid of Willie Brown for a few days because we we had just the majority by one vote and so he just kept buying off our Republican friends Um, so from that point is when Ralph and I I remember our first date we talked about my frustrations with sending people to Sacramento spending these millions of dollars of evangelical dollars sending men and women into office and yet they're away from their family and their church for, you know, five days a week, every week, and they just weren't making an impact. And I said, I think that we need to look at this a little differently and look at it from a spiritual perspective. Can we, in my mind, I'm thinking, can we hire one chaplain for the state Senate and assembly up in Sacramento um, and just kind of root them in their faith, be at the other end of their life? Well, the whole time I'm thinking one state, he's thinking, Ralph's thinking the whole world. Mm-hmm. How long have you known the Lord? How'd you, were you raised in a Christian family? I was, but I was quite the rebellious young lady. And you were rebellious? Oh, yes. Really? She still is a little bit. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> no, and the Lord halted my life when I was 20 years old, put me in a in a hospital bed, couldn't move very well, took me off of everything that I was involved with. And I read the Gideon Bible because I was all alone. My mom and dad were there, but they were very 
angry at that point because they found out all of what I was doing as a young, a young non-Christian girl, um, even though I knew better. Um, mm-hmm. And I opened the Bible and read The Woman at the Well, and I said, if you're mm-hmm. really the Lord, you can have my heart because mm-hmm. that's me right there in Scripture. And that was the day the Lord saved me. And from then on, it's been different. It's still very tender for you, oh, isn't yeah, it? Of course. <laughs> I see it in yes. your eyes. You yes, know. right. And and when you came out of the hospital, you were dedicated to the Lord? Yes, I was. And, of course, at that point, I was too sick to go anywhere except home. So I sat in um, late in my bed in my parents' house, which I didn't really want to be back at my parents' house. But my grandmother, I'll never forget her, she would... When I'd go in to take my shower or get ready, she would plug in David Jeremiah just far enough from me that I couldn't turn it off. And she would just <laughs> blast that in my room and, and mm-hmm. disciple me that way. And, of course, my mom did the same thing, just really discipled me, walked me through it. I have godly parents. And the Lord just slowly but surely, you know, changed my heart and my life. Is completely. that where the passion yes. for conservative causes came and besides really waiting tables, Dr. Dobson, I think my very first job after Sacramento was with you, where my my heart desires were being uh, accomplished. You know, I was going to be able to do something that my heart was really saying I wanted to do. The Lord was calling me to this. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a real uh, focal point in my life, you know, or... Uh, change. Yeah, Ralph, when did you become acquainted with the Lord? Uh, I grew up in a quasi-Christian home. I think we went to church a half dozen times my whole childhood in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And the few times that we went, we went to Tim LaHaye's church. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember him in one of those six ventures to church. Using was that the, Shadow Mountains? Well, it was before Shadow Mountain. It was a church out on the plains above San Diego, which is the church that then bought that campus. And Tim LaHaye actually had three campuses, uh, the downtown campus, the eastern campus would now be Shadow Mountain, and they had one in Escondido, which would be to the north. But then when Tim LaHaye retired the pulpit to David Jeremiah, he consolidated it all at Shadow Mountain. But the one time that I heard uh, Tim LaHaye preach, he he was using the analogy of, of turning on a lamp. You know, there's no light under this lampshade, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can turn on that lamp. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, and it didn't really come together until I was a senior year in high school. And a couple of the cheerleaders uh, of our high school basketball team invited me to go to a Youth for Christ Bible study. And that night I heard the gospel, and it all came together. And I invited Jesus into my heart that night. I remember going home. This was La Mesa, California. It's east of San Diego. And reading through the whole uh, Gospel of Matthew, I just couldn't put it down. And I grew really, very Isn't that rapidly. interesting? The Word really got to the two of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Separately. it just came alive. Absolutely. It used to be a book that I thought I would someday read. It was always kind of a dusty volume in our home. And every time I picked it up and tried to read it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But now it was just alive and I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I began to see who Jesus was and what he wanted from me. And by the time I graduated from high school and went to UCLA and graduated from there, I was ready to go into full-time ministry. Hmm. You could have gone into the NBA at that point. Yeah. For four years, I actually turned down NBA contracts to play with athletes in action. And I went to 35 countries of the world playing their best amateur teams with AIA and preaching the gospel at halftime. Isn't it interesting that you didn't know the Lord, either one of you, and that he knew you Mm. and he wanted you? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that he sought you out? He got the Bible into your hands. He brought the discipling that you were given Mm -hmm. uh, because he had a job for you to do. And that's what you're doing today. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing to see where we're at today relative to where we've come from. It's all by his grace. By his grace. I, I remember that. I think it's John fifteen sixteen says, to your point, you did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you I chose and appointed you. you that you should go and bear fruit mm-hmm. and that your fruit should remain. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about capital ministries, which... Uh, do you really want to do that? That's a long story. We're having a good time talking about this stuff. It's fun to talk about, but I really want our listeners to know that there's reason for excitement and enthusiasm and optimism over what's going on in the federal government and even in the states across the country. It is amazing to me. I've been at this a long time. You know, I've been on the radio for 40 Two years. You're or just something. getting started, Doctor Dobson. I think you're just a young buckaroo. Well, it goes. You've back got a promising I've been future. At this a long time, <laughs> but I I can tell you there have been moments when I despaired of what was happening to our mm-hmm. country. Uh, we lost one Supreme Court decision or case after another, and it seemed like when. Uh, somebody was uh, elected to the presidency like Ronald Reagan, and it looked like he was going to be able to pull the country back. Well, he did for a time, but, uh, you know, he's only there eight years, and then uh, things changed. Uh, Bill Clinton came in and uh, reversed a lot of the work that I tried to do uh, through the Pornography Commission and Gambling Commission, and uh, and it has never really recovered uh, since then. So um, this is the first time that I've said, Lord, you are here and you are doing something it's really exciting. in this country. It's so exciting. It really Share is. your excitement about what's taking place there. Well, when we started Capital Ministries in the California Capitol in 1996, as you alluded to earlier, we had on our hearts the idea of, like a FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, mm-hmm. goes to high school campuses and builds athletes in Christ with a good, talented disciple maker who uses the Word of God or or crew Campus Crusade for Christ formerly on college campuses or think of Youth for Christ, how I came to Christ through high school ministry. We have nothing really of the sort on capital campuses, be they the federal, the state, or even local government campuses, wherein we have Bible teachers that are mentoring up-and-coming or existing political leaders. And so with that idea, Capital Ministries was born 21 years ago. And now I think we've started ministries in 42 state capitals with a 
Bible teachers, uh, and we've been did, did in D.C. Every, I hope everybody caught that. Yeah. It, it, you know, the way Am I speaking too fast, Dr. Dobson? <laughs> you're, you're handling it well, but I just want to make sure, you know, sometimes those things go past this. Yeah. But there are 50 states, yeah. and you've got ministries mm-hmm. and expressions of capital ministries in 40. 42. 42. 42. That we have started. There is three, as we did our surveying in 1996, there was three state capitals that already had what we'd call a capital ministry, which was, you know, there's a lot of prayer groups and fellowship groups, but in terms of a intentional, deliberate, biblically reliant discipleship ministry with in-depth Bible teaching every week where someone's taking you through the whole counsel of God, there wasn't much of that. And so now, by God's grace, not that all our capital ministries brand, but we've been able to germinate through our influence either a capital ministry per se brand or an independent of some sort ministry that is proclaiming the Word of God with the intentionality of making men and women mature in Christ. Well, describe what's going on in the Congress. Yeah. You started the House, didn't you? And then... So about eight, nine years ago, we went to D.C. after having a lot of success with state capital starts. And uh, Danielle and I off to D.C. we went, and a couple of the congressmen invited us in. We came in on their coattails in the House, started a House Bible study. And then, long story short, some of those House guys got elected to the Senate, and they said, hey, we like the high-protein diet of the Word of God. There's nothing else like it here. Come on with us. So we started the Senate member Bible study. And then when Trump was elected— all of a sudden, someone in the Trump uh, administration was plucking guys out of our House and Senate Bible study. And we could see, hmm, something's happening here. Interesting. <laughs> and so those guys said, about six of them that were now cabinet secretaries, let's start a White House cabinet member Bible study. And now we have 11 White House cabinet members in our weekly Wednesday morning Bible study. Does that amaze you? It's amazing. And Dr. Dobson, it's the best Bible study I've ever been involved with. They come early. They leave late. They just are devouring the Word. It's so exciting. Oh, my. Yeah, and they let me teach for the longest time without interrupting me. You know, the House and Senate guys, they like to interrupt me, but not the Cabinet guys. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're a little more dignified, especially than those House members. Are you in the Senate also? Yeah, we have 12 of the Senate members now in our Bible study out of the 100. And uh, with this upcoming election, people get out and vote. Mm-hmm. We see seven more on the horizon that will be prime candidates for the for an in-depth Bible study in the Senate. You know, we're out of time. We talked a lot about basketball <laughs> today and other things. So well, that's your doing, not mine. <laughs> that's not my fault. Yes, that's what I'm excited about, too. So <laughs> let's just uh, yeah, let's continue on, and we'll let people hear uh, next time what we're about to say. You Is that bet. all right? Amen. Okay, thanks for being with us today. It's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, sit tight.